Welcome to Footnotes and Witness. My name is Deborah J. McKenzie, and this is the podcast where we study the Bible to see Jesus rightly and find Him in our own story. Let us be faithful witnesses to His character and glory. Well, after taking a week off to have COVID and sit around and be pathetic, I'm so excited to get back on board with looking at our characters from the Bible and what their witness testimony tells us about God and his character, about the gospel, and about how we can see Jesus in our own stories. We've already looked at the stories of Jonah and of Rahab. And today we're going to look at another story that you probably know but maybe haven't actually read the scriptures in a while. And that's the story of Ruth. So always, I encourage you to go read the story before we talk about it, or at least have a familiarity with the scriptures, because what we remember and what VeggieTales teach us is not always what the scriptures actually say. And I'm going to present the story of Ruth like she's giving her witness testimony. So you can pause this right now, and go listen. Ruth is pretty short, just four chapters, or you can come back to it later. But I definitely encourage you, go read the story. It's pretty short. So my name is Ruth, and I want to tell you my story. I'm from Moab, and as a people, I always knew that we didn't really get along with the Hebrew people. Our cultures have had no respect for one another for generations. And that is what is so shocking about my husband. He was a Hebrew immigrant. I didn't care. I was happy. We got married and thought everything was going to be good. His brother got married. I had a sister-in-law, a great mother-in-law, and father-in-law. But unfortunately, my father-in-law passed away early in our marriage. And after 10 years, we started to accept another tragedy, that we were barren. We had no children. After 10 years, neither me or my sister-in-law had gotten pregnant. While dealing with the shame and sadness of being barren, both my brother-in-law and my husband passed away. The grief was too much for my mother-in-law, Naomi. Her life in Moab had been so full of sorrow that she decided to immigrate back to her homeland, to a place called Bethlehem. Now, I never thought that I would be an immigrant like my late husband, but I couldn't imagine leaving my mother-in-law, Naomi. She encouraged me and my sister-in-law to stay in our homeland, but I just couldn't. I told Naomi, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go, and where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people, and your God my God. Where you die, I will die, and there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. So off to Bethlehem we went. I didn't know where we would live or how to make money. Two lonely widows at the mercy of others. But Naomi told me that her culture had provisions for people like us, for the widows and for the poor. Food is kind of set aside in each field for people like us who need a little help. So at least we weren't going to starve. We did have a way to get food. And I didn't mind the work, honestly. I wanted to help Naomi and to be there for her. 
So I went to go work at this field that Naomi told me to go to because one of her relatives owned it. His name was Boaz, and he was kind and generous, and he helped protect me in the fields. Naomi sent me to his field because he was related, and that he might actually be able to provide even more protection for both of us, but we just had to go and see. And this was another provision in the Hebrew culture. It's something called a redeemer. So a redeemer is someone who's related to you who redeems property or your lineage. So if your brother dies and he leaves behind a widow, you can marry that widow. So that way she can still be a part of the family and have protection and a place to live. And that generational wealth can continue on to the next generation. And Boaz was a kinsman redeemer. He was related to Naomi. So we made another plan, just like we did when we decided to go get food. And I asked Boaz if he would continue to be a generous protector. He worked everything out. He spoke with the elders and other redeemers and made sure that we did everything according to the custom. And just like that, we all of a sudden had protection. And I just had our little boy, Obed. Me, a foreign widow. Now I have no shame and I have the joy of motherhood. So being an immigrant didn't actually end up being that bad of a thing after all. And my mother-in-law is very happy, and so am I with my husband, Boaz, and my son. I told you, the story's short. (laughs) Ruth's story can be told in just a few minutes, but there is so much there. What's really astounding about Ruth's little story is how little God is actually mentioned. So one of our inductive Bible study methods is to look at the verbs, the action words. So that can tell us what's being done and helps us make sure that we know who is doing what. And one of the things that we always look for is what did God do? What is he doing in the story? And throughout all four chapters of Ruth, God only has two actions. In chapter one, verse six, God visits his people in Judah and ends the famine that sent Ruth's father-in-law and mother-in-law out of their homeland to begin with. That's why they left, because there was a famine in their land. And in verse 6, chapter 1, it says that God visited his people and gave them food. Then in the last chapter, chapter 4, verse 13, God gave Ruth conception. He gave her the ability to get pregnant, and they had their son Obed. I think that It's so important to see this story in the Bible, because when we are presented with the idea of telling our testimony, we feel like we need to have all the right Christian answers, like we need to understand how God worked in our life before we can tell anybody about it. There's this pressure that we put on ourselves that we have to be good Christians and figure it all out and see God's sovereignty and everything before we actually tell anyone anything. And the story of Ruth shows us this perfect example of sometimes you just simply tell your story. Sometimes you can see it with hindsight after the fact. Sometimes you're just in the middle of it. Sometimes other people can see where God has worked in your life, even when you can't. It's always easier to look back, but it's important to tell the story as you go along. 
There's a phrase that sticks out in the book of Ruth. It so happened. It so happened that the field was Boaz's. It so happened that Ruth went to go there. And that kind of gives us this hint of God's sovereignty, of him actually being in charge, even though it doesn't explicitly say that God's in charge. We don't always see it in the moment, especially when we're in the midst of impossible circumstances like poverty, loneliness, loss, infertility, hunger, and displacement. The impossible circumstances take over your horizon and you can't see beyond them. Now, I will admit, I never really liked the book of Ruth. (laughs) It was not my favorite when it came up. And it's usually because of the way it was presented. So I'm kind of a strong-headed woman's advocate. And honestly, it just seemed beneath me (laughs) and beneath women in general. Just Google Bible studies on Ruth and you'll see what I mean. You'll find studies entitled Finding Love, Becoming a Girl of Loyalty, Love in the Fields, or there's one that has no title, but it's simply a picture of an engagement ring on the cover. I've actually heard devotionals on dating, trying to use Ruth's story as a blueprint. You got to go get yourself a man. They use the story of the threshing floor in this weird context of an old society of things that we don't understand or can relate to as a blueprint for modern dating. The story just seemed cheap, like a Hallmark movie, something that you put on but doesn't really have a lot of substance. And if you read Ruth and just walk away with this love story, then yeah, it is cheap. and <laughs> You're absolutely shortchanging it. The story, of course, is about God and his character and the shadow of this story that's a shadow of the amazing gospel redemption to come. It is so much more than a girl standing in a field asking a boy to love her. <laughs> that makes for a great movie. But there's so much more. Years ago, my husband and I were youth group leaders, and that sounds way more important than it was. We just happened to be the only ones in our 20s in the church at the time. (laughs) But we had this question that we would always ask our kids. Do you think God cares about your day-to-day life? And for teenagers, it's actually a really big, important question because it determines on how much you actually involve God in your life. Because if you don't think he cares about the small stuff, you're going to not talk to him about the small stuff. And then he becomes an emergency God instead of a daily God. And so it's a really important question. And I was always surprised at the people who say, no, God doesn't care. He doesn't care if I pass my finals. He doesn't care if my boyfriend like broke up with me over text message. Like he created the universe. Why would he care about me, about the small stuff? And it was always such a joy to walk people through scriptures to show that God does care, that even if you don't see him in it, that he's working in it. It's this phrase, it so happened. Nothing just so happens. God's in charge of everything. God is sovereign over which field Ruth went to. He's sovereign over which mother-in-law Ruth had, that she would have this example that would be a light to Ruth, that she would actually want to adopt her culture and her religion. 
And remember, this is a religion with a lot of rules, like over 600 rules. It was not something that I think people would easily just adopt because it put a lot of restrictions on your lifestyle. But whatever it was about Naomi's lifestyle, it spoke to Ruth. And she said, I want to do that. I want your people to be my people and I want your God to be my God, even with all these things. So Naomi had this amazing portrait of what it would be like to be cared for by God. So maybe that's where you're at in your witness testimony. You're not really sure where you're going. You're not really sure how things are going to end up. But maybe you do have one person in your life that represents fairness and love, and that is there for you, and you're willing to be loyal to them. And that so happens to be God's grace and provision also, that he would put that person in your life. That's a gift. Even if you don't know or accept that that gift comes from God, it still does. So we have this wonderful story of provision and love and loyalty. And yes, Ruth has those things, but it's a shadow of her creator. Ruth displays amazing loyalty, but that loyalty comes from God's loyalty right? He's the one who's being loyal to his people. And he's the one who's going to be loyal to Ruth. And so we emulate that of which we are the image of. We are made in God's image. We also have this setting, right? This is a narrative. So what's our setting? It says in the time of the judges. Now, if you read any part of judges, really, you don't have to look far Almost every chapter starts with, and they did evil in the sight of the Lord. People did whatever they wanted to do whenever they wanted to do it. And that's the story of the time and culture that this happened. So when Ruth opens up with, in the time of the judges, we can expect our characters to do whatever they want to do, to live in a way that's evil in the sight of the Lord. So then we're totally floored when we come across these really loyal, generous, loving characters like Boaz and Ruth. It's that light in the middle of the darkness that God has provided. So we can see in Ruth's character, in Naomi's character, and Boaz's character, the character of God. Her witness testimony of her own life and those around her are a reflection of Yahweh, the God who was in charge who was totally with them all the time through impossible circumstances. So how do we see the gospel in this story? Well, like I said earlier, it's an amazing shadow of the redemption to come. This foreigner, this widow in a completely different country and a different culture, she really had no right to think that she would be redeemed, that somebody would take her on especially a foreigner that was a Moabite, because they did not have a good history with the Hebrew people. They were not friends, and they did not have a lot of respect for each other. So if you remember from our conversation about Rahab, Rahab is Boaz's mother. So we know that he has probably a soft heart towards immigrants anyway, and can see that God can redeem anybody. And so it wasn't probably that much of a leap for Boaz to redeem this foreigner. So there was provision for Ruth made a generation earlier already. And that's something we see in the gospel. It transcends generations. It transcends time. 
The gospel has always been part of the plan and always will be part of the plan. We like to think of time in this linear thought pattern. It's a straight line, a beginning, a middle, and an end. But we can see that God has been working throughout all of time. And it may not be in a straight line because he knew when Rahab's heart was touched by the stories of God that she had fear and hope that that line was going to end in his own son, in the Messiah. And that's where we get the gospel. It's just, it's crazy. It's bananas how God does that. And so we see this unending hope that the gospel is for everyone. These were enemies of his people. The Moabites were not friends with God's chosen people. They had done God's people wrong. But God says, I'll take you anyway. The gospel's for you. So if you have ever felt in your life like God wouldn't want you, this is that story to prove it. Otherwise, God wants everyone in his church, multi-ethnic, diverse church. There are no enemies of God unless you have decided to be an enemy. He has not made you an enemy. He's waiting for you, and he wants to include you. The witness testimony of Ruth, the it so happened, is that God is always there, whether you see it or not. Sometimes you'll be able to see it with hindsight, and sometimes you'll just have to trust that he was there. But it just so happened that God chose you anyway, that he loves you anyway, that he sent his son to die for you anyway. (laughs) That's amazing. Whenever you think about telling your own testimony, remember Ruth's. She didn't have all the right answers. She didn't have all the Christian lingo. She wasn't praising Yahweh every step along the path. She was just living her life, trying to figure out where to go next, how to get food, how to stay with her mother-in-law because she was already widowed and didn't want to be alone. She was just living her life. And it so happened that God was living it right along with her. And that is a God worth knowing. That is a God worth loving. He's worth it, y'all. And that's really good news.